Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. Tonight, we're going to conclude uh, this little series that we've been doing since Easter, 40 Days with Jesus. 40 Days, of course, refers to the number of days that Jesus spent with his disciples, remember, after his resurrection and prior to his ascension. And Jesus used those 40 days, let me just review very quickly, Uh, Jesus used those 40 days to impart three things to his disciples. So he, first of all, he wanted to give them proof of his resurrection. So he gave them many convincing proofs of his resurrection. Number two, he imparted, he wanted them to be proficient with the gospel. So using the scriptures, starting back in the Old Testament, he went through the scriptures and explained the gospels to his disciples so that they then would have an understanding and be equipped to preach the gospel because that's what he had told them that he was leaving them to do and to lead others to, to be his witnesses. Uh, And so he wanted them to be proficient with the gospel. And then number three, he gave to them during those 40 days the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is the promise of the Holy Spirit. So we've spent these Wednesday nights, not every one of them because we've had some other things going on, but we've spent these Wednesday nights since Easter discussing those first two things at least, uh, talking about proving the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not just... Uh, not just as a proof text from the Bible, but historically proving the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then we've talked about being proficient with the gospel, understanding the gospel, knowing the gospel, so that then you can lead someone uh, to the Lord. So we've spent those 40 days doing those things. In fact, actually it's been a little bit more than 40 days uh, at this point. In fact, Ascension Day, the day in which Jesus ascended back to the Father was actually last Thursday, was technically Ascension Day. Sunday, this past Sunday, would have been Ascension Sunday. And so this Sunday, this coming Sunday, is actually Pentecost Sunday. And so, as you know, the day of Pentecost is 50 days after Passover, um, and it's the day when the disciples actually received the promise of the Holy Spirit, which the promise that we're going to talk about uh, tonight. So we're going to take a few minutes tonight. We're going to discuss this final, very important thing that Jesus gave to his disciples before he ascended back to the Father, this promise of of the Holy Spirit. So actually, we're going to return. We're going to do that by looking back. We've read this passage several times now, a couple of times at least. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through uh, 5. So here Luke writes and he says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up and after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, 
but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples, giving them many proofs of his resurrection, helping them to become proficient with the gospel, and repeating this promise of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's important to uh, to note here that this is not the first time that Jesus has made this promise about the Holy Spirit. It's not the first time he has mentioned this and made this promise about the Holy Spirit to his disciples. In fact, in verse number four, he indicates that he that they had already heard this, uh, or verse number two, maybe it is, um, that he had, no, verse number four, that he had made this promise to his disciples many times before. He said, you've heard this from me. And so in other words, he's saying, I'm not telling you something new. You've heard this from me before about the promise of the Father, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So in verse number four, he indicates that they had heard this from him before. He had repeated this promise to them before. In fact, Jesus, uh, we know that he had made this promise to them before his crucifixion even because he had told them in John, what is it, John chapter 14, that that's why it was necessary for him to return back to the Father, to go back to the Father so that the Father then might send the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit might not merely dwell with them as Jesus had done. Jesus had been dwelling with them. But Jesus said, now it's necessary for me to go back to the Father so that the Father can send the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit cannot merely dwell with you but that the Holy Spirit would be able to dwell in them. That is, that the Holy Spirit could indwell each one of his disciples. And that was uh, that indwelling, that personal indwelling of the Holy Spirit was essential to the mission that Jesus was leaving in the disciples' hands. And that mission was what? To go and to evangelize the world. To go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the promise of the Holy Spirit was essential for them to be able to uh, accomplish the mission that Jesus was leaving with them. In fact, in verse number 8, a verse that's familiar to us as Pentecostals, uh, in a few verses Jesus would say, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the promise of the Father was the baptism in the Holy Spirit which was necessary for them so that they might have the power that they needed to accomplish the mission that Jesus Christ was given, giving to them. So So as the time of his departure was drawing near, the time uh, for him to ascend back to the Father, uh, Jesus reminded and repeated this promise of the Father. In fact, uh, Jesus was very emphatic about this promise. Um, In other words, he didn't merely suggest that the disciples wait for the promise of the Father. In this passage, it says that he ordered them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Look at verse 2. 
Verse 2 says that Jesus gave them several commands, commands during this 40-day period. One of those commands was no doubt what we already said, the Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father. But verse number 4 records another command, and that is uh, verse number 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Now, how many knows that's pretty strong language for, Jesus, for, for it to say Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to, but to wait. Why would Jesus have had to order his disciples not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit? Well, we're going to take up that question tonight. We're going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, but there's a more obvious question that that raises that, that I want to address first, and that's, and that's this. If, if Jesus ordered his disciples to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, then the question is, why do we treat the baptism in the Holy Spirit as an optional experience? If Jesus ordered his disciples, wait for the promise of the Father, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, why is it that we sometimes treat the baptism in the Holy Spirit as an optional experience? Jesus' command here clearly indicates that the baptism in the Holy Spirit was something that was intended for every believer. Do you agree with that? Say amen if you do. So his command indicates that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is something that's available to every believer, something that he was ordering them to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, on the day of Pentecost, we know that the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, they were all assembled in the upper room, they were praying, and the Bible says, and they were all filled with, with the Holy Spirit. Um, so it was a promise that was intended for all believers. Jesus ordered them, don't go anywhere, wait for the promise of the Father on the day of Pentecost. They were all filled with the, with the Holy Spirit. However, today, less than half of even Pentecostal, of just Pentecostal believers, less than half of Pentecostal Christians have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So the question is, what, what has changed? What, what has changed that we now see the baptism in the Holy Spirit as an optional experience when, according to the command of Jesus Christ, it was an essential experience for, for his disciples? How many knows the promise hasn't changed, has it? In fact, on the day of Pentecost, you remember Peter stood up when the crowds gathered around and said, what's going on, what's happening? And, and Peter preached that sermon on the day of Pentecost. Peter said to the crowd on the day of Pentecost, this promise that we've received, what you're seeing uh, here, this promise is for you, it's for your children, it's for, it's for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. So the promise has not changed. It's for everyone, Amen. It's for whosoever will. It's for everyone that the Lord calls uh, to himself. So the promise hasn't changed. I mean, knows the need hasn't changed. And there are some that say, well, the needs have changed, that that was an apostolic era, and they needed that baptism in the Holy Spirit. They needed 
the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that came with the baptism in the Holy Spirit in order to be able to establish the gospel. And, and I understand that they're drawing a distinction between the apostolic era and the church now, but how many knows we still need the power of the Holy Spirit today, amen? In fact, uh, you know, there's more of the world now that needs to be evangelized than there was then that needs to, needed to be evangelized. We live in a time when we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So the, the promise hasn't changed. The need hasn't changed. How many knows God hasn't changed, right? He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. God still gives the Holy Spirit to those that will, that will ask for the Holy Spirit. So those things hasn't, have not changed. What has changed? Well, unfortunately, we've changed, <laughs> I remember writing a, um, a paper at, um, at Duke when I was studying Duke on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and John Wesley's view on the gifts of the Holy Spirit because that was a controversy even in his day. People were dealing with the question of why, you know, why, don't, why doesn't the church have the same gifts of the Holy Spirit that, are in, that were in operation in the book of Acts? And there were those in his day that had said, well, the gifts have ceased. They've passed out of use. They're no longer available to, to us as believers. So they asked John Wesley, what do you think? What, you know, why doesn't the church have the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Why are they not operating? Have the gifts ceased? Have they passed out of use? And John Wesley essentially said, if the gifts have ceased in the church, it's not because God intended for them to cease. It was because we're not asking and we're not operating in the gifts because what God's word promised then, how it's still available to us today. So if anything has changed, it's we are the ones who have changed. For some reason, many Christians no longer see the baptism in the Holy Spirit as a necessary experience for believers. And so, you might say, well, wait a minute, I, I didn't think that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is necessary. I mean, that, that is what we teach, isn't it? That the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not, is not absolutely necessary. Well, let me ask you tonight, read verses 4 and 5 again, and then you tell me. Do you think Jesus thought that the baptism in the Holy Spirit was necessary for his disciples? Look at verses 4 and five again, let's read them. While he was staying with them, these are the 40 days while he was with him. While he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Do you think Jesus thought the baptism of the Holy Spirit was necessary for his disciples? Absolutely. That's why he ordered them. Don't, he didn't say, well, you know, if, if you guys just stick around, uh, you'll, you'll receive the promise of the Father. But if you don't feel like it, if you've got stuff to do, you know, I understand you can go and, and uh, you can be excused. No, Jesus understood that it was essential, that it was necessary for his disciples. The confusion that we have um, about this question of whether or not the baptism of the Holy Spirit is necessary for us as believers. The confusion that we have is related to the question of, of why Jesus thought it was necessary for them to experience the baptism 
in the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus ordered his disciples to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, not because it was necessary for their salvation. I mean, as they were already Christians, they were already believers. In fact, in John, the end of the Gospel of John, the Bible says that he, he, had already, he breathed on them and they had already received a saving measure of the Holy Spirit. And yet he told them, wait, tarry for the promise of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus did not order them to wait for the promise of the Spirit because it was necessary for their salvation, but because it was necessary for their mission, the work that he had called them to do. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not necessary for you to be saved. It's not, it's not necessary uh, for you to go to heaven. However, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is necessary for you to be empowered to accomplish God's purpose for your life. If you want to accomplish God's purpose for your life, if you want God to fulfill in you and through you the highest and best purpose that he has for you, then you must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So it is. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential, absolutely necessary to the believer, not for, not for our salvation, but for our usefulness in the kingdom of God so that he might use us to the fullest extent of his purpose for our life. And it's a shame that we've, that we've interpreted that to mean that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an optional experience. That, I mean, that's certainly not what Jesus intended. It's why he's is why he ordered his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. So it is true that you can, we can reach heaven without the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but we cannot reach God's highest and his best purpose for our life without the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We need that empowering presence of the Holy Ghost to be able to accomplish all that God desires to do in us and through us for his glory. Can you say amen to that? So the first disciples seemed to understand that. And they understood that, that it was that the promise of the Father, the baptism in the Holy Spirit was something that they needed. Indeed, it was not just something that they needed, but it was something that they wanted. It was something that they desired for that purpose. It was something that they wanted because it had been promised to them by the Father. And Jesus had taught them that if they, as earthly fathers, knew how to give good gifts to their children, remember Jesus had said, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for it? So they understood that God was a good heavenly Father and that if they asked for it, that God would give them the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a good gift 
that is promised to us by a loving Heavenly Father who wants us as His children to succeed and prosper and, and honor Him in all that we do. Even so, Jesus still had to command His disciples. He had to order them. So don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father. Why would you? So let's take up that other question, that earlier question. Why would Jesus have to order his disciples to wait for something that they knew was good, something that they knew was necessary for them? Why would he have to command them to wait? Well, it's because good things come to those who wait, and we are, as humans, <laughs> unfortunately, by nature, we are impatient, which means that. But if we are not made to wait, then how many knows we may miss the good things that God has prepared for us. If we don't wait for them, then sometimes we miss what God has prepared for us. The disciples had to wait an additional, I've already said, an additional 10 days. 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus ascended. 10 days later was the day of Pentecost, so they had to wait an additional 10 days for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And, and that was not by accident. That was intentional. God, God, how many knows God didn't need some extra time to get things ready? It wasn't like Jesus had to go back up in heaven and finish some preparations and get things ready and then send the Holy Spirit. It was not, it was not for God's purpose that they had to wait. The extra time, um, the extra time that was required, the disciples needed the extra time. It was, it was necessary for them to get ready for what God was going to give to them. The disciples, had to, the disciples had to position themselves. They had to prepare their hearts to receive the fullness of what God had promised to them. And the fulfillment, the fulfillment of God's promises in our life, how many know sometimes the fulfillment of his promises, sometimes it takes time in our life. It takes time for God's purposes to be fulfilled. And so that means we must be willing to wait if we're going to receive the fullness of all that God desires to do for us. If we don't wait, then, then we're going to miss what God wants to do. And there's, there's various reasons why we may, we may be tempted not to wait for the fullness of of God's promises. Um, let me list just a couple of them for you tonight. Time. Sometimes we fail to wait for the fulfillment of God's perfect promises in our life because sometimes we think, well, this is just taking too long. Anybody ever felt like that before? It's just taking too long. So sometimes we miss God's promises because we just give up too early. And we don't wait long enough for the fulfillment of God's promises in our life. Sometimes we fail to wait because it becomes things, this, uh, it becomes too difficult. And so sometimes we give up on God's promises in our life because what we're going through, some adversity or trouble, and we just throw our hands up and say, I give up, I quit. And and we miss out on what God desires to do in our life because we give up too, too early, because it's taken too long, or because it's, becoming, it's too difficult for us. Sometimes we give up because 
of sacrifice. We say, this is costing us, it's costing me too much. And so we, we give up. So there's, there's a lot of different reasons why we may miss the fullness of the promise that God has for our life. It may be because we feel like it's taking too long, it's too hard, it's too difficult, it's costing us too much. But there's a final reason. This is the one I want to focus on for just the last couple of few minutes tonight. The last reason that we sometimes fail to wait for the fullness of God's promise is because we become satisfied with what we already have. And we say, well, this is good enough. I don't want any more. I don't need any more because I'm satisfied with where I'm at and I'm satisfied with what I have. Let me tell you, that's a, that's a huge issue for many, for many believers and for many Christians. We are, in fact, I would say this, I would say generally, we're all usually, we are usually content with a lot less than what God actually wants to give to us. You remember what is, is in Ephesians, I believe it says, that God is able to do immeasurably, what, more than we can even think or imagine. And so usually we as believers, we are content with a lot less than God actually desires to give to us or do for us. And we think, well, I have, I have this much and I'm happy with this much. And so we fail to wait for the more, the fullness of what God wants to do for us. God always has more for us. God always has, look at your neighbor and say, God always has more. Uh, some of you are falling asleep, so... <laughs> God always has more, but here's the key. We're not always willing to wait for the more that God has for us. Either, like I said, either because we think, well, this is just taking too long. I don't want to wait any longer. Or because we say, well, this is just too hard. It's too difficult. It's too much sacrifice. It's costing me too, too much. Or, like I said, because we just become satisfied I've got this much, and I'm content to just have this much and not more. But God always has more, but we're not always willing to wait for it. And that's why I believe, that's why we're willing to believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, is not necessary for everyone. Because we think, well, I've got, I've got enough to get me to heaven. I've got, a, I've got enough. I've done this much, and so I'm content with this much. But God has more. So wherever you're at tonight, and however long you've been saved, and whatever your experience is with the Lord tonight, you could have been saved two years, two months, 20 years, 30 years. God always has more. There's always something else that God desires to do uh, in your life the question is whether or not we, we want the more that God has for us. In fact, the word baptism, because we're talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the word baptism actually means immersion, total 
immersion. And so the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, is actually a complete surrender of every part of your life to the power and the influence of, of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. Sometimes what we do is, is we want to hold back a little bit for ourselves. We're willing to give God this much, but not, we don't want God to have everything. So we reserve a little place in our own life for ourselves. And when we do that, what we do is we hold back. When we, when we hold back, we limit the fullness of what God wants to do and can do in our life if we would be willing to completely surrender ourselves to the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. What God wants to do is he wants to infiltrate, he wants to saturate, he wants to immerse all of us, every part of us in his Holy Spirit with his power and, and with his influence. That's why it was necessary for Jesus to command his disciples, no, go and wait for the promise of the Holy Don't be satisfied with what you already know, what you already have, because God has more for you. And that more is necessary for you to be able to accomplish all that, that God has for your life. And so they had to wait. And waiting Waiting is how we demonstrate that we're, not, that we're not content with what we already have. We wait in line because we're waiting what? We're waiting for something that we don't already have, right? So you wait in line to, to get a Big Mac because you want the Big Mac, right? You wait in line at the, at the DMV because you got to get the sticker, right? I need that sticker. I got to have that sticker. And so you wait in line. You wait in line at the bank because you need, well, I don't think anybody waits in line at the bank anymore. You just do it online or, uh, but you wait, you wait because you're acknowledging that there's something that I need that I do not have. And so I'm willing to wait. And so when we wait, we demonstrate that we're not content with what we already have, but we want something else. We need something else. So waiting is how we communicate that we want more. And when we wait on God, it's how we communicate to him, God, I'm waiting because I recognize that I, I don't want to be content with what I already have. I don't want to be content with what I already know. I don't want to be content with what you've already done in my life because I believe you have more for me. And so I'm going to wait on you because I want everything that you have for me. And how many knows that applies to us whether whether we've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you've never experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit, then, then we should wait and tarry on the Lord and pray and ask God, God, I want everything that you have for me. Or if you've already experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how many knows that still applies to us? Because Paul commands us that we should be filled and refilled 
and keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit because what I want is I want an overflowing experience of God's grace and God's power and God's glory in my life. I, I hope that's what you desire as well. So whether you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit or not, or whether, uh, whether you've been saved 20 years or not, each and every one of us, God has more for us. And how we express to God that we want everything that he has is we learn to wait on him. And we say, God, please, I, rec I don't want to be content with what I have and where I'm at. I want more. I want what you've got for me. I want everything that you have for me. So how we're going to close tonight, I'm going to ask Mike if you come back to the piano this evening. Pastor Belinda is going to come and she's going to lead us here in just one moment in a, in a course. And it's an, it's an oldie, but it's, it's a goodie. All right. Fill my cup, Lord. How many knows that course? Fill my cup, Lord. Fill it up, Lord. Right. And so what we're going to do tonight is I want you to bow your head and close your eyes right now. We're going to pray, and then I'm going to invite you to come down, come down to the altar. We're going to close this evening by just gathering here at the altar, singing that course through a couple of times, singing it through as a prayer to Him. But Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight, Lord, because we recognize that you always have more for us, God. That wherever we're at... Whatever we've experienced, Lord, you always have more for us. So God, we're coming to you tonight to acknowledge <laughs> and to thank you that you are a good God and that you give good gifts to us, your children. And that if we will ask, God, you will not withhold anything from us, but that if we will ask, you will give us the Holy Ghost. And Lord, that's what we need. We need the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's not optional, it's essential. We, we have to have that fullness of the Holy Spirit if we are going to accomplish all that you desire to do in us and, and through us. So Lord, we're going to come tonight and we're going to sing this song. We're going to sing it as a prayer to you, Lord. We're going to confess that, Lord, we're not content with what we have we don't want to stay where we're already at. Father, we want everything that you have for us. So God, come tonight. Fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play App Store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.